Welcome to the Off the Bench Podcast, home of all things sports here in the Central Valley. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Pod Off the Bench. All right, welcome back to the Off the Bench Podcast, episode 28. Moving right along, we're getting into football season here. Yes. Things are uh, things are starting to get back to normal, you know, summertime, everything kind of slows down, everybody kind of changes their routines, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, school's starting up, you know, this week, if not next week, yep. and, you know, things are getting back to normal, so yep. it's kind of fun. Uh, I've been seeing a lot of pictures, uh, high school, you know, football, fall camp has started, all the kids are back out there. Fresno State's back out in fall camp. Did you see that? Uh, I saw a big time catch in practice from uh, Josh Kelly. Is that the one handed? The one handed yes, grab. That I he's saw a, that. He's a San Joaquin Memorial grad. Yeah, uh, dude, kids just showing out over there. So yeah, uh, first game is what two weeks? Yeah, it's it's, it's sneaking up on us. Three, real, three weeks. Yeah, real fast, 11, eleven a.m. too. That's a little. Oh, I didn't even realize. Yeah, that. it's at eleven a.m. That's that's interesting. Yeah, okay. that's kind of like a Midwest thing. Like a yeah, you know, we, we're more used to night games here, but. Felt bad for that opposing team because that Valley Heat gonna. If you yeah. ain't prepared for that heat, that's true. But even at like seven p.m., it's still. But yeah, yeah. So it'll be yeah. So it'll be interesting. I'm excited for him. New coach, new team. You know. So yeah, I'm excited. I'm honestly really, really excited to see what Jake Hayner, the quarterback, does this year. I feel like he kind of stepped in last year, got his toes wet, and figured some things out. He's a transfer from Washington. Yeah. And I'm. I think he's gonna let it fly this year. I'm excited. So Ronnie Rivers back as a senior, uh, it, man. It could be uh, they're not it's not necessarily getting the love from the like Mountain West media right now, but I think it could be a special year. I think they they could make a make a run for the Mountain West title. Let's hope so. So yeah, that'd be certainly be fun. Give us something to talk about. Um, but yeah, episode twenty eight today. We got a special one today. Another former Bulldog. And this man had some stories to tell. Let me he tell had you. some unbelievable stories. Um, name dropping. Name dropping some. <laughs> just if anybody's ever name dropped some people, this one by far I has mean, the best name drops. We thought Jervis Cole was dropping some names, but he didn't drop. He, he wasn't, wasn't dropping international names. He, people that he grew up like. T-Bone, T-Bone grew up with people that are like internationally known. Jervis wasn't talking about presidents. No. <laughs> No. Yeah. This uh this I'm man. talking about presidents of the United States and we're talking about presidents of NBA associations. Yeah. Like this man, yes. I mean, T Bone was uh yeah. you know, it was fun. I'd never met him before and we had him in person mm-hmm. and it was a really fun, really fun deal. So. No, it just I, I went to I talked with my dad about this one and I was like, This is the one you are going to probably like. This is probably gonna be your favorite episode. Yeah. Just because I was like the historical facts. Um, my dad having ties to Louisiana, um, you know, T-Bones, obviously he was talking about Mississippi, but just being poor and growing up in that and just, you know, that stuff my dad can relate to those stories. And so I was like, I feel like it's going to be, you know, just differently. My dad also lived in Chicago. So for a little bit, so I think just those stories alone, my dad's going to be able to relate to, but yeah, just his stories are just incredible. And he had so many, so many more. Yeah. We we, honestly, we could do a part two with, oh, we can do a part two, a part three, a part four, part five. Yeah. Yeah, T Bone is amazing individual, amazing stories, and just to hear, you know, his like we we didn't even have to talk sports with that man. No, just yeah. his stories alone. Yeah, and it was fun. You know, we we obviously we recorded this a couple of weeks ago, and uh, since then I've actually talked to a few other a few of my friends about him, and he's just one of those guys that you realize like, oh, everybody knows this guy. Yep. 
he he just knows everybody. Yes. I talked to my buddy Matt, and he was like, "Oh, T Bone, I can't wait to hear that." Like yeah. ev- everybody knows T Bone, everybody likes T Bone. Yep, he's just that dude. So mm-hmm. it was fun, man. Yeah. Uh, can't wait for you guys to hear this one. Uh, just in a few minutes here, it was good stuff. So yeah, you know. Make sure you're following us on all the social media stuff. Help us get the word out. Spread the word on this yeah. one. This is one of those ones that people need to hear, uh, you know, that we, we think people need to hear it. So yeah. let's get the word out on that. But, yeah, um, T-Bone, good dude. And, yeah. uh, you know, what else is going on? Uh, Jalen Green had his uh, summer league debut. And a big one at that. Uh, very impressive. Dude very, was uh, very impressive. 23 points and five rebounds mm-hmm. in his very first summer league game. He only had one turnover, too. Yeah. And, honestly – what did he take? Four, 13, 14 shots? I mean, it wasn't. I think he took 18. Oh, okay. I yeah. thought it was less than that. Um, I, the one negative you might want to say about him, you got to get to the free throw line a little bit more. He only shot yeah. one free throw, but just his step backs, the step back threes. Unbelievable. His, his slitheriness, mm-hmm. like a snake just slithering through the lane, getting to the paint. Like, he was extremely, extremely impressive. Yeah, I, I loved it. He was really fun to watch and really kind of sat the whole fourth quarter. Didn't play, yeah. came back in at the very end, but. But, you know, yeah, I thought it was for his first, like, debut you know like he played really well and i know uh talking to some people in his camp his goal is to be the mvp of summer league and he had went off for a great start he's got bigger goals than that i mean he's talking rookie of the year no but you know but, for right now like yeah. his goal right now for is to be the summer league mvp and so yeah and he's shoot at this point there's no reason to doubt he put when that when that man has a goal yep he's so far no and he, he, he achieves it he felt like he should have been he feels like he snubbed he felt like he should have been the number one overall pick and yep. he's gonna go prove why he should be the number one overall pick so he's rocking a new number so far too did you see that he's uh no more number four he's what was a number i think he's number zero this year gotta go with the age so, of zero i think the uh whoever has number four already wasn't giving it up for him so possibly yeah he uh is that kevin porter jr yeah i think so yeah it's yeah yeah i actually i forget who it is we'll check that out yeah but he uh whoever it was wasn't wasn't giving it to him so he's probably gonna have to earn that one back but yeah, yeah. good stuff that was uh that was fun to watch he's uh game number two for him is actually well this comes out so when this comes out it'll be tonight yeah so yeah he plays tuesday night again um and it's cool you know like it's kind of nice that he's in the, in the nba now these games are all accessible easy yep. to watch Right there on ESPN too. Yeah, and then uh, talking about local stars, uh, Jenna Prandini, silver. Jenna Prandini got. We weren't sure if she was gonna be on the relay team. Get on. She ran a great leg, dude. That third leg. She She ran it like they. The only reason they probably get silver is because of her leg. Yeah, she she was big time. Yeah, she was kind of a last minute replacement there. Her Mm -hmm. and one other teammate, but she helped bring it home. I mean. She wasn't just kind of there. I mean, she helped bring it in. So I felt like the best they could do is silver. They were never going to catch the Jamaicans. Yeah. Um, the J- Jamaican team was just at a whole nother level. Definitely, like, nothing against United States. It just wasn't – this wasn't the, the year. We, when you don't have your best runner not running on the relay team, it's, it makes a huge difference. But, no, like for her to go home with a silver, yeah, she ran probably her best leg, her best race was that final one. So that's – pretty awesome yeah she made it count when it mattered right yeah. there so that was that was really cool to see and yeah the jamaicans weren't having it they uh, yeah and they didn't even do you see that they didn't even get to practice the jamaicans they just roll out they all just ran their individual stuff yep. the day of the the relay they practiced a little bit and but just handled business yeah so good um and then another local star just signed a massive massive contract 150 something million guaranteed or something like dude that. dude got paid 
it's a big uh it's a big year for the allen family yeah out of fireball not only so josh's younger brother jason just got married okay his sister just got, his sister i think just got literally just got married probably like two weeks ago wow and then his brother got married uh, i think this summer just not yeah a couple of months like maybe a couple of months ago so big things going on in the allen family household yeah seriously he uh that was I didn't realize that was coming up so quick, but he, uh, man, got Josh Allen got a big deal signed mm-hmm. it. It's gonna be a Buffalo for uh, you know next little while. He's gonna, yeah, he ain't going anywhere. So no, and yeah, they're so yeah. It's he had an unbelievable year last year, and deservingly so. It's good to see guys like that getting paid. I mean, the man came out of came out not, of nowhere. Came out of nowhere. Reedley College fire. I mean, yeah, started fireball. I mean, he literally came out of nowhere. Yep. So and even then. Um, it's unfortunate that we never got to see him in a bulldog uniform. The man wanted he wanted to play here. He but blamed DeRuiter. That's yeah. why the man didn't last. Yeah, DeRuiter didn't uh you know, didn't go after those he was he was too focused on Texas kids. No, and yeah. He you can say what you want to say. The man won with Pat Hill's guys. Yeah. He won with Pat Hill's recruits. He definitely did. And never right and like the thing well, is you, too, you can go back and watch. Derek Carr called all those plays. No, and the thing is too is Everyone knew Pat Hill knew that team. He had a special team. They just had to, you know, they just had to mature. Yep. And then when they matured, they were good. And but yeah, Deruder proved uh, pretty quickly that he just wasn't the the recruiter. So and that's why he's not here anymore. No, yeah, but, but no, it's yeah, it's Josh Allen's an unbelievable story. Just to go from small town Fireball, go to junior college, go to Wyoming, right, and then just kind of just. Proved himself, kept proving and proving yep. himself. So, uh, not the traditional path. So, dude took it the long way, and uh, didn't matter. He still got paid. So, mm-hmm. congrats to Josh Allen. You know that uh, someday, someday we'll get him on the pod and get to chat with him. And uh, he's just—I've heard him before on other shows, and he's—he's he's a good dude. So, no, he's his his family's unbelievable family. Um, yeah, unbelievable family. It's funny because my wife's grandmother and Josh's grandmother are best friends. My would, wife's cousin and Josh were roommates at Reedley College. So don't, don't let anybody ever say Jason LaFour doesn't have connections. Cause. No, we used to. So what's funny is uh, they used to own a restaurant fireball called Farmer's Daughter. Okay. Josh's mom did. And so on Christmas, like my wife's family and Josh's family, they would have like a Christmas like gathering dinner at that place. So we did that for a couple of years. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a. Uh, Really cool family, good story there. Yeah. Good to see, uh, you know, good to see Josh getting making things happen out there. And now, hopefully, he has a big deal, a big year this year. So. No, yeah, like they're they're it's, you know, a lot of people think they're the team to you know mm-hmm. to dethrone uh, the Chiefs. It's they're up there. You probably said them and the Browns are probably really the two teams that actually have a shot at beating the Chiefs. And I don't know about you, I with most professional sports, I just love I love seeing lo- you know local guys with local connections do big things so makes the nfl that much more exciting when you got josh allen out there doing big things Derek carr's still a starter like it's just more fun for me to watch i I love watching the local guys do do things out there so yeah good stuff there um still summer you know summertime starts stuff starting to get back to normal here you're gonna blink and before we know it it's gonna be right into football season yeah uh friday night lights is almost back bulldogs start their football season in just a couple weeks so Mm mm-hmm we got a special episode planned for uh, right before Bulldog football season starts. And, uh, yeah, can't wait. But uh, we'll get right to it here. we got uh, episode 28 with uh, the legend, 
Mr. Tyrone Bradley, T-Bone. Yes, we do. So let's get right to it. T-Bone, here we go. Welcome back to the Off the Bench Podcast, Jason. We are uh, got a we got a basketball episode today, and uh, man, we just been talking for a couple minutes here, and we're gonna hear some stories today. Uh, yes, we are. Yes, we are. Yeah, we uh, we are blessed today to be uh, joined by the one and only Mr. Tyrone Bradley, <laughs> T Bone. How you doing today? I'm doing good. Thanks for inviting me, and you know, uh, I love Fresno, and and I guess I'm an old soul now in the town. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I want to bring back a lot of little history that a lot of people will remember, but a lot of young folks just don't know. I like it. <laughs> I like it, man. We this is one thing we really love doing is getting these getting the former bulldogs on here just to tell some stories, you know? So uh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna hear it. Well I'm gonna tell you some story before the Bulldog Authentic shop was there and when it was a, a horse Okay. <laughs> a barn sitting right there. <laughs> nice. Well, uh, you know, you did you weren't always a, a Fresno guy, so uh where'd you come from? Born and raised in a small town called Marks, Mississippi. Okay. And Marks, Mississippi is I would say it's about maybe forty minutes away from Oxford, Ole Miss University, just okay. so okay. people understand it. It's it's west of there. Um and it was a town that we were dirt poor. We had nothing. Uh, a lot of people thought I learned how to play basketball in Chicago. No, but I learned how to play basketball uh, growing up playing on the dirt courts in Mississippi with a bicycle rim. We had to take the spokes out because we couldn't afford uh, um, a basket. And so with that being said... Um, so we're not even talking like just a, a rim with no net. We're talking a bicycle rim. A bicycle rim on a pole. Okay. Not not a backboard, a pole. Nothing but net. You got to switch that <laughs> yeah. thing every time. Yeah. But, you know, uh, the good thing about that, it kept us out of trouble. We, yeah. we, I mean, we played ball all day long. You know, I remember my grandmother used to tell me, I don't care what happened, boy, but be in the house before the streetlights came on. But, you know, as a kid, I would have to go and play like right now in the morning times all the way up until maybe about – four o'clock that's when the sun was straight up so as the sun started going down the older big big guys started coming out and once they came out they pushed the shorties off the court so I watched them but it was like a big dust bowl and actually I'm gonna show you a picture of the pole in which we played on uh they kind of cut it in half right now and I was just down there about mm, two years ago just to see my roots yeah so just went back there to the old court, but it's not there anymore, but the telephone pole is still there. Okay. Uh-huh. Well, you're definitely the first person we've talked to that grew up playing on a dirt court. Well, there was no out-of-bound lines, and a lot of times we used to get in a little trouble for taking our mother's flower to make the out-of-bound line. <laughs> <laughs> and when it rained, you know, uh, you couldn't play. Yeah. the mud. Uh-huh. But, you know, um, it, it kind of uh, reminded me as well as when I moved to Chicago, and we played outside, and in the wintertime, the snow took over the court. So you couldn't play in the snow or the ball would freeze. But, you know, for the love of the game, you know, you just created things. So we got shovels and shoveled it off in Chicago and, and did. So I look at a lot of kids now today, they're really blessed by playing in the gyms. Yeah. You know, I look at the courts, they're empty. No one's outside anymore. Um, I don't think they realize how well they have it right now. <laughs> That's true. 
I want to go back to your Mississippi roots because you were talking about, um, I read something about, talk about the Dr. Martin Luther King and the church. Okay. Well, growing up, um, I grew up in a church called uh, Silent Grove Baptist Church. And we, and, and, but on our school campus, we had another church called Valley Queen. And they were two good churches. And I guess around 67, 68, something like that, Dr. King was going to Memphis, Tennessee to help the sanitation workers pro- protest their working conditions. And during this time, uh, I guess they had a little trouble. He had to get out. So he got out and he came to our hometown, Marks, Mississippi, which is a small town. Right now, they just got their first grocery store. Oh, the big first, news. The first grocery <laughs> store they got uh, in probably 15 years. So it was a food desert, really. Uh, so Dr. King came down there and he saw how poor we was living. And I remember him coming down. He, go, he went out on this street called Cotton Street and it was flooded. He couldn't get the people housed and everything. He saw the condition, so he just started crying. But that's how we lived. You know, I tell kids, I say, you know, where I came from and where I am now, I'm truly blessed. But, you know, Dr. King came down, and there was a man by the name of James Figgs. He didn't want to introduce me to basketball. He invited the Dr. King down there, and um, he walked around the town. He saw it, so they started what they call the poor people can't, the poor people campaign. And the Poor People Campaign, uh, they was getting ready to go to Washington, D.C. to show the world how poor we was. And they took what they called a mule train from Marks, Mississippi, all the way to Washington, D.C. to protest poverty in the United States. And we were living up on the Delta. The small towns was around was like Marks, Mississippi, Clarksdale, Batesville, uh, uh, Sledge, Falcon. It was a small town, but we had nothing. And actually, uh, a little later on, I'm going to show you a picture they took of me when Dr. King and uh, they was having a civil rights uh, rally, and I was climbing over this fence uh, going to a church where he was preaching at. And they took this picture of me, and the reason why they took the picture of me because I had this big old hole in my pants. <laughs> and they were sh- trying to show the people uh, how poor we were. And this picture, you know, I, I, I used to do, uh, for Black History Month at Alter Sierra, I used to do a, a segment with the kids and talk about what Black History mean. well, what Black History Month mean to me and where I came from. And I always told them, say, 20 years ago, about there's a picture of me in Time Magazine, uh, and I just can't find it. Mm. So last summer, this teacher that I was in the classroom, she had been searching for that picture. She finally found it. She found it and she called me. I was like, wow. And there's a picture of me. I got it hanging up in my office. She got it hanging up in her office. And I got it hanging up in my house and I gave all my kids this picture. And I showed my friends. They said, man, look like your house is on bed rails. <laughs> because, you know, in our floor with dirt. But you know what? We, we had nothing, but we had a lot of love. Yeah. So it's totally different. And... You know, growing up down there, uh, my uncle was the first black principal down there. Uh, I remember going to the cotton fields and picking cotton for two cents a pound. And you know how light cotton is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, going chopping cotton for five dollars a day. You know, but those things when it was time for a high school basketball or football game, during that time it only cost twenty five cents to get in. That's what got me into the games, or you know, I would go and pick pecans and all that good stuff. So. Stayed down there until I was about fifth grade, you know, but that was the best 
the best living of my life down there. Uh, till I was about fifth grade, and, and all of a sudden I moved from Chicago, I mean from Mississippi to Chicago. And once I moved from Mississippi to Chicago, you know, my mom was afraid because you know you had the big gangs even back in this uh, early seventies. Uh, and I was fifth grade when I moved there, so they, you know, I was what you call a latchkey kid. Mm-hmm. In other words, you know, once you get out of school, you don't come outside until your mom or dad come home. Then they let you go out on the front porch. So I would go on the front porch and, you know, have my little skates, and I could only skate on the front porch or dribble the basketball. My neighbor was mad. And uh, then all of a sudden somebody found out, you know, I could play a little basketball. So I would walk from my house to school, and it was maybe a couple blocks. And some of the guys, they used to see me coming to school every day with a briefcase. And I would always have on black pants or blue pants and a white shirt. And they was like, wow, why are you coming to school dressed like this every day? So this was my mom had me, that's how she dressed me. You know, she, coming from Mississippi, she wanted to be appropriate going to school. And so I got my little briefcase and my friends were like, well, not my friends at that time. They was like, well, what you got in there? I was like, I got my books. So in Mississippi, we carry books every day. Every day, you had to go home and learn spelling, spelling words. You know, I had to do your writing assignments, math, everything. And if you didn't do it right in Mississippi, you know, those teachers, they would call your grandmother and everyone you got wrong, you got a smack. <laughs> so, but that's how it was. But in doing that time in Mississippi, anybody could smack you for anything, just not by saying hello to somebody. You may not even see them. They call back and say, hey, you know what, Anna Laura, the board didn't even say hello. What? Come here. <laughs> that was a small thing. That's why now my wife, me and my wife, we go to the, to the ball or something, and every time I walk past somebody, how you doing? How you doing? She says, why you speak to somebody? It's all muscle memory. It's ingrained. Yeah, it's <laughs> I ain't trying memory. to get smacked. <laughs> no, no. no, because, you know, I tell people my grandmother been dead 40 years, but, you know, I might trip. That's her. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, moving to Chicago, and all of a sudden these guys, so they sent one of their boys after me. Uh, they said, come on, man, you said you can play a little basketball. So I was fifth grade, and they sent a sixth or seventh grader at me. So we played a one-on-one the game to 34, and I beat him. <laughs> and once I beat him, I became one of the boys. And, and the next thing I know, I'm playing uh, elementary school basketball. Then I move on to junior high school. I go to Douglas Junior High School in Chicago. And as I'm playing, you know, I'm a seventh grader, but I'm playing on the eighth grade team, you know. But I never played organized basketball, but I was good enough to play on the eighth grade team. So I played, I didn't start, but I played, I played enough time. Mm-hmm. But during that time, I was, uh, I was um, young for that age. So my coach said, you're in the seventh grade, we're going to put you on this bitty basketball team. So they moved me to this place called Old Town Boys Club, to the Boys Club, and they let me go play on this team. Now I'm playing with kids my age. Now we play in this league, and it's Marlowe King Boys Club, Chatham Y, Old Town, Henry Horn. It's about six teams, and it's a great league, but I'm playing center because I'm the tallest thing on this. And Wait, I wore, what? Hold on. You're playing center? <laughs> I'm playing center. It's bitty. You could be five foot seven, and you be playing on – Eight-foot baskets. Oh. Yeah. So I'm playing center because I could jump pretty well. So were you dunking on people? They wouldn't let us dunk. It was okay. outlaw. It was outlaw. Okay. Because, you know, I had to hook the baskets onto the Oh, yes. Yeah. Break, so those break, things break. could fall off. Right, right. So, but I'm, I, I, I wore number 13 for Will Chamberlain. 
About to so, open up 100. Yeah. <laughs> so we played and, you know, uh, I remember uh, we went to the first round of the league. Uh, my team, Old Town Boys Club, we beat Model the King. Now, Model the King, they had like Isaiah Thomas. Oh. Uh, Isaiah Thomas, they had, to, and I'm going to show you a picture with us. And all that good stuff. Uh, they had Isaiah Thomas, Willie Scott, and all these guys went on to play college basketball, but Isaiah went on to be yeah. pros in the Isaiah Thomas, yeah. y'all see today. And so we tied for the league championship. So after the league championship was over, um, they got this Illinois All-Star team. So with this All-Star team, uh, they bring the, all the, 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 league, the best league players together. Now, the, we go to this meeting, and they say, okay, Miss Bradley, we want your son to play on his All-Star team. And we practice over at Model King Boys Club, which is on the, on the west side of Chicago. But I lived on the south side. And she said, well, we practice at 6 o'clock in the evening. And my mom said, no, I'm sorry, he can't play because we don't have a car. And I'm not going to let my son catch the bus from the west side back to the south side. So this man, he stood up. He said, no, I'll take him. I'll come and get him because we live on the south side. So I said, okay. But I knew, I knew the man. I knew his son and all that good stuff, but my mom didn't know. He said, my name is Mr. Robinson, and I will come and get him. So he lived on the deep south side. I lived right back. Y'all might know the White Sox Park, Comiskey Park in Chicago, yeah. and we go around to the west side. So he would come and pick me up, and he would take me over there. Now, with this man, his, uh, when he came, he had what you call electric 225, a deuce and a quarter. <laughs> Buick back in the day. He drove, Miss Robinson sat in the front passenger seat. Craig Robinson sat in the back behind mom. I sit on the other side, and Michelle Robinson sat in the middle. Michelle is Michelle Obama. Whoa. <laughs> so Craig is the one who coached at Oregon State. He coached at Oregon State. <laughs> yeah. No, we all grew up together. We all on this bitty national bitty basketball team. My mind is blown right oh, now. No, no, no. no. I'm going to tell you some stories. Y'all ain't going to believe, but, they, but they're true. <laughs> so, I, I thought that Jervis Cole was name dropping. Oh, no, 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 but no, no, no. Jervis ain't got nothing on no, T-Bone. No, 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 no. This is true. Oh, no. I tell you about Muhammad Ali in the neighborhood. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Hey, he comes just get I just got here. goosebumps, though, by the way, when you said that. <laughs> no. Just got absolute goosebumps. No, no. He in the neighborhood right here in the limousine. He's sitting <laughs> up and all the people said, oh, that's Ali. So all the kids talking about Ali, boom, my head, <laughs> Ali, boom, my head. So he get out of his car doing this shuffle, you know, and throwing his hand and everything. But it's, I mean, I went to school that Nat King Cole went to. You know, so wow. I'm just, but I'm just saying, I got names yeah. like that and yeah. all that stuff. But these are true stories about my basketball yeah. upbringing and everything. I love so, it. So we play in this game. So we go to Puerto Rico. We go to New York. But we got to go to New Orleans for the National Bitty Basketball Tournament, right? And back in these days, uh, Converse All-Star was the shoe. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and they used to put this magazine out where every – uh, NBA championship team would be in there. Every college team would be in there. The national championship in college, junior college, NAI, and all that good stuff. All the high school, uh, uh, I guess, um, league championships would be in there. All and every bitty championship would be in there. We was in there a couple of times and all that good stuff. But we went to the national bitty championship. And I'm playing center, but I didn't start now because now I'm playing with Craig Robinson, and they're bigger than I am. Isaiah Thomas, Willie Scott, uh, but I'm like the sixth man off the bench. 
and I was just talking to the coach about two months ago. He said, and they called me Mini Bitty. And, <laughs> and the reason why they called me Mini Bitty because you may hear it now. I'm a cross between I stutter as well as uh, I'm country. I got a little slang in me. I got a little so it's ebonics everything. <laughs> <laughs> You're so cultured. They, You're yeah. cultured. <laughs> so they called me Mini Bitty. And he said, Mini Bitty, you remember uh, you got that technical foul in New Orleans? I said, yeah, as a coach, I thought you. He said, no, you didn't go 10, because what was him? I told you. We played on eight-foot baskets, and the guy went to the basket from New York, and I picked this shot at the top of the backboard, and they called it goaltender. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and I thought I was going to grow, but I just didn't grow anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, playing, I then move on to eighth grade, and I'm playing with all these guys. Uh, so we all know each other in Chicago. So in eighth grade, well, seventh grade, I'm playing on seventh, eighth grade team as well, right? And this year, my eighth grade and seventh grade team, we played 70 basketball games. 7-0. Wow. Oh, wow. We went 69-1. and one. Who'd you lose to? We lost to this team called Magellan, and we played the game before Northwestern and Marquette played at Northwestern uh, Fieldhouse. And that's the only game we lost that year. And then the next year we we played fifty eight games and we went fifty eight four and four. So then, a lot of high schools wanted me to come and play um, for their teams in Chicago at, at least their schools. But you know, I always thought about in Chicago in the wintertime that that blizzard hit that snow. I said no. <laughs> and my school was in the hood. It was the ghetto, but that was my neighborhood. That's who I knew all the people. I said, no, I'm going to stay right here. So when it's snow, I'm going to walk to school. I'm not going to catch the bus at 3, 4 in the morning and get to school and all that good stuff and get home at 6 o'clock at night. So I uh, played my freshman year, played frost-off basketball, JVs. Uh, sophomore year, played frost-off again and then move up to varsity. Uh, we won the city championship. City championship, check this out. City championship in Chicago. 82 public league schools, only one school can go downstate. And now downstate, you know, that's where the state tournament. 82, now this particular year, we're, we're ranked like number four or five in the country. But we're ranked number one in the state of Illinois. Western House ranked number two, which is Mark Aguirre, Eddie Johnson, Skip Dillon, all these guys. So we meet at the amphitheater for the city championship. We're 28 and 0, they 27 and 0. Only one team. We rank one, they rank two. Oh wow. <laughs> we played in front of the largest crowd at that time in, in Chicago history at the amphitheater. We beat them by 10. We beat them by 10. Now we started 6'7", 6'4", 6 feet, 5'7", and 5'9". And they had Eddie Johnson, you know, play with the Phoenix Suns, Mark mm -hmm. McGuire, Skip Diller, Bernard. They had an all-star team, but we beat them. We go down state, and we play against the likes of Jim Stack and Calvin Bull. They went to uh, uh, St. Lawrence High School, but they left and they went to the University of Iowa. Um, they beat us in the first round. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, wow. So went on, and then we playing, and – my high school senior year was pretty good, so I always told my coaches, you know, I just want a decent uh, scholarship to go somewhere to school. But by the time my senior year was over, I could have chosen the school I wanted to go to in, in the United States. 
And there was a lot of schools offering me a lot of things for my family. Uh, but it was one coach, his name was Jim Thrash. And he was a coach at Fresno State. He and I, we became really good friends. He was like a father figure to me. And I don't know, I just trusted him. I just trusted him and believed in him. And so I remember we was playing an all-star game in Wichita, Kansas. We were playing against Ricky Ross, uh, Antoine Carr, Cliff Livingston, and we beat him. I go to the free throw line with four seconds to go in the game. I make two free throws, we win the game. So after the game was over, we partied in the lobby like this and everything, and I remember uh, Antoine Carr came in, he had this big ghetto blaster, and he was mad because they lost the game. So he saw all of us in there, he took his ghetto blaster, so we had no more music. <laughs> so we had to cut out the party. So we sitting out front, and it was me, Izell, and Daryl Walker, and Terry Cummins. We all sitting there, and so uh, who was the Coach Thrash came and talked, and y'all know Nick Irvin. Yeah. Yeah. Nick, I used to carry Nick in the bassinet about that time. Oh, wow. And Nick was that small. So Nick's dad came over. He said, Tyrone, man, him, uh, he and this lady named Mary D in Chicago, they came up and said, this, this guy from Fresno, California, he, he's just crazy about you. I said, no, I've talked to him, Coach Thrash. He said, I know you was talking about all these other schools and everything. He said, but, though, this man is crazy about you. So I said, you know what? That's where I'm going. I'm going to Fresno, California. So I told Coach and Coach Thrash, and, and Coach Frazier was my high school coach. So we got back, we flew back from Kansas to Chicago O'Hare. And we there, and Coach Thrash said, Coach, I'm coming, uh, but the only way I'll come is Coach Grant's gonna have to be there to sign. If he's not there, I'm not coming. So Coach Thrash and Coach Frazier, they took me to my house. <laughs> so once he took me to my house, <laughs> that was the University of Illinois, Michigan, Michigan State, Jehico, uh, uh, who was it, uh, DePaul. It must have been about nine cars lined up outside my house because they all want to talk about school because they had seen the game and he was coming from the game. Um, so they wanted to talk about, you know, what, what you gonna do for school. So I said, well, coach, I tell you what, come back at six o'clock with some cake and ice cream. I'm gonna sign my letter of intent and then I'm gonna tell y'all to go. Y'all can stay, I'm gonna leave. <laughs> like that. So coach didn't want to leave, uh, but my coach Frazier told him, so no, if he told you that's what he's going to do, that's what he's going to do. You ain't got to worry about nothing. He said, but no, these coaches going to change his mind. He said, no, they won't change his mind. If he told you that's what he's going to do, said, just come back to six o'clock. So I bought each coach in one at a time and told them what my plans was. And they, they, they congratulated me and told me, you know, go ahead on. You could have played with Magic. You could have played with Magic Johnson and won a national championship. No, no, Magic that left. Cause that's that's the year they have won seventy nine. Yeah, they won. The, okay, they won the national championship. Yeah, with Larry Bird against Labor, hey, Indiana State. And, and Larry Bird and them, they had a friend, a Carl Nix, that was on my team. He was a friend of mine that played in our same league in Chicago okay. on the Indiana State team. But that's what uh, Joe Hico was there. But um, was Coach Barry he used to coach at San Jose State. He was their assistant coach. He was over my house every <laughs> night. I said, Coach, how are you gonna recruit me to Michigan State? And you took the job at San Jose State, you know? <laughs> so uh, we talked about that and all that good stuff. But it's all good fun. Did you know where Fresno was? Had you heard of Fresno, California? I had never heard of Fresno a day in my <laughs> life. Uh, but my, 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 my friends in high school, they told me, they said, you gone. We could tell it. When I took my recruiting trip, uh, I came here. Um, it was 
it was like springtime. No? Yeah, springtime, but it was still fog. It was fog was here. And when I flew in, I flew into the fog. <laughs> so we got in. I didn't see Fresno from above. So got here. This was a beautiful city. It was clean. You seen no vacant lot. Everything was green. I think McLean High School was just built. Brand new school. All the school was beautiful. I said, man, look at these football fields. And it was beautiful. Now, when I go over to, they take me uh, to one of the Duncan's houses, to ceramics. Yeah. I was like, man, this is nice. And then they take me over to Dr. Brown's house. There's a black doctor here in town. I said, oh, wow, black people live like this? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm coming back. So I told George Duncan, I said, I'm going I'm to come back to this. So I flew out. Fresno, fog again. So I still didn't see Fresno. So when I thought about Fresno, I'm thinking California, what everybody think about? The beach. The beach. beach. The beach. I'm thinking I'm going to be sitting on the beach looking over the beach in class. <laughs> like I'm at Santa Barbara, University yes. of Santa Barbara, uh, waiting to go out there and just running the sand, yeah. messing with the girls and just have a good time. <laughs> so I got here about two months after I got here. Uh, I said, Coach, where the beach? <laughs> he said, it's two hours away. I said, what you mean? I thought the beach was over here by Herndon from Fresno State. Yeah. I thought it was over by Herndon, I swear. And then and when I, and all the, my friends were asking me after years passed, where is Fresno? <laughs> Best way for me to describe it for them, I would say, hey, I want you to pay attention because California is a long state. I said, my feet is San Diego, my ankles is LA, <laughs> my head is San Francisco, and my navel is Fresno. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best way for me to make them understand. And they said, wow, I said, where the beach at? I said, well, the beach is way off my hip. <laughs> I like that analogy. <laughs> well, well, it is what it is. Yeah. You know, that's how I can, because everybody in Chicago thinking I'm sitting on the beach, you know, with a pina colada or something, <laughs> just having a good time. No, it wasn't like that at all. You know, and like I said, got here. Um, all of a sudden, you know, I remember when I first came, you know, I came here to work because my family had no money. Uh, I signed my scholarship, so I'm on scholarship. But even though scholarship, it still was hard. People don't understand when they say scholarship is not a lot of money back then. And I'm going to tell you how that went. My scholarship offered a full ride. If I stayed in the dorms, which was fine, I didn't have to pay anything. I, I got my room and board paid for, I got my books paid for, my tuition paid for, and my meals, 21 meals a, a week, which is, you know, seven days, three days a meal. Uh, that's what's staying in the dorm. Now, my junior year, I'm trying to grow up a little bit, move off campus. Only thing I could afford was Sin City. <laughs> so we moved to Sin City. I don't know if y'all know where Sin City is. Yes. <laughs> uh, I moved to Sin City. Me and Rod Higgins moved to Sin City. Now, once you move off campus, my scholarship check every month was $113. That was to pay for rent. Now, rent was $230. So me and Rod Higgins had to put our together. checks together. We still were $4 short. <laughs> <laughs> so we had to call mom you know, and get that $4 and all that good stuff. But that wasn't including PG&E. It wasn't including phone bill or none of that stuff. You know, lived in Sin City, but it was fun because we was college kids, and we had a wonderful time over there. Now, you know, moving on, I'm like, okay. Well, now we living in, over there. Now we could only eat 13 meals a week in the cafeteria. So everybody thinking we living high off the hog. 
No, we're not living high off the hall because neither one of us cooked. <laughs> so we depended on the cafeteria. So we had to, I guess, uh, figure out a way to get at least two meals a day. Because, you know, with 13 meals, you're only looking at um, two meals a day and one meal on Sunday. So I'm like, wow. So, But we made it work. We made it work. <laughs> so went through that. Um, now I'm going into my freshman year, playing at Fresno State. Now, now the time I'm, I'm playing my freshman year, now check out the lineup that was in the dorm staying with us. Of course, it's Rod Higgins, myself. Uh, you had Verhoeven? Well, Pete, uh, yeah, Pete Verhoeven, Pete Verhoeven, Bobby Davis. Uh, this is all in our dorm suite. Okay. Paul Reed and this guy named Matt, Matt Mayhem. He was a hammer thrower at Fresno State. And he was pretty good. Came from Germany. Oh, wow. So we all stayed in the dorms together. And then on the other side of the dorm, it was Henry Ellett. Uh, Stefan Page, uh, what's the guy's name? Terry Pendleton. Uh, oh, uh, we had what's the guy? John Hoover. Uh, he drove the old truck and all that good stuff. Uh, I mean, we had it was a star cast dorm crew, you know, and we all were just friends. We were just young knucklehead kids that was having <laughs> a good time, and we respected each other. The football wise, man. We used to go over to walk over to the games, you know, and they wouldn't let us in. We couldn't get in the game unless we paid. You know, that was the NCAA rule. Uh, so a lot of times we didn't go to the game, and when we got a little money to go, you know, you know, back then uh, it was hot. So, you know, we went and stayed a little bit and had a good time. But, you know, playing my freshman year, you know, and, and being in Chicago, 1970, I'm going to go back a little bit. 1979, this is my high school all-star team. I'm the only one that didn't go in the first round. Oh, You're wow. looking at Doc Rivers, Terry Cummins, Glenn Doc, I mean, uh, 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 Daryl Walker, uh, I said Teddy Grubbs, Teddy Grubbs, uh, Bernard Randolph, Mark Aguirre, uh, all these guys are there. Now, I didn't go in the first round, but I came here. Uh, I came here, but they all became superstars. I didn't play my whole freshman year. I sat on the bench. Now, that was a year wasted in my mind and in the school's mind. I should have registered, but I had never heard that term. Mm. I knew nothing about it. I knew nothing about graduation when I got to Fresno State because my school, like I say, was in the hood, and they didn't, they didn't teach us a lot about – they taught us how to graduate from high school but not from college. And if it wasn't for Rod Higgins and Bob, Bobby Anderson, I probably would still be in school today. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway uh, – uh, we went through, and then, you know, I didn't play. I, I sat on the bench, and I remember going down to Long Beach State and playing. And Coach Grant got on us really bad because we beat Long Beach State by, like, eight points. But you got to remember, during that time, we held the ball, and we passed it yeah. around and all that good stuff. But we didn't buy, but Coach said we had a bad game. So I wasn't playing anyway. I was just sitting on the bench. and uh, So during this time, uh, we had some players from Los Angeles, Donald Mason, um, Bobby Davis, Paul Reed, Lance Anderson, all these guys. So at the end of the game, a lot of times players want to go and meet their families after the game. So they would, as coaches talking, they can dress because, you know, we got to get on the bus right afterwards and go home. So I remember uh, my buddy Paul Reed was getting ready and coach got mad at him. He said, Paul, what are you doing? 
He said, well, coach, I'm listening to you, but I'm putting my clothes on because when you finish, I want to go talk to my mom and dad outside. He said, when I'm talking, you just sit there and listen. You don't do anything. And so Paul said, yes, coach. No, coach. Never happened again. So I fall out laughing. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't play it anyway. So coach said, T-Bone, what's wrong? I said, nothing wrong, coach. He said, uh, well, why are you laughing? I said, I'm laughing at my man Paul Reed because, you know, He's acting like you a dictator or something. So, so I'm just laughing at him how he said, yes, coach, no coach, and all that. And he said, well, you got something to say? I said, coach, it don't make no difference what I say. I'm not coming back here anyway next year. <laughs> he said, what? I said, yeah, I'm not coming back. I don't play. You know, I don't see people look like me. I don't hang around. I'm not coming back. So, okay, freshman year, go on. Go to Chicago. Everybody in Chicago know I'm not happy. I'm not coming back. I'm playing the summer pro league. I'm playing against Maurice Cheeks, Derek Harper, Isaiah. Uh, playing against all these big-time point guards, but I'm averaging 21 points a game. I'm playing very well. Texas Tech, we hear you're not happy. <laughs> Texas, we hear you're not happy. Uh, Northern Illinois, you hear we're not happy. DePaul, you're not Loyola. So I said, no, coaching them get wind of it. I'm playing very well. They fly to Chicago. They go straight to my mama's house. Uh, well, they don't, they come and see me play. They go straight to my mama's house. So, yeah, Miss Bradley, you know, we hear he's talking about transferring and everything. And uh, she said, yeah, he says it's not happy. Well, that's not a problem. We'll release him everything if that's what he want to do. But uh, if, you know, he start transferring, you know, some school won't be taking, they're going to be taking units. He won't have units for graduation. My mama said, what? Graduation? He'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> Came back the next year, sat on the bench again, didn't play. Coach used to get mad at me for stealing the ball with the wrong hand. I said, Coach, I got the ball. It's a technique to it. Okay. I got it, though. Okay. So, sat on the bench again my sophomore year, didn't play. Went back to Chicago, same thing. Playing, coaching, and hey, we still got a spot for you. My mom said, I got to go back, go back. Come back. They had recruited Scott Skiles to take my spot, but Scott Skiles went to Michigan State. Uh, they recruited O'Mel Nieves. They had recruited Sam Vincent to come here to take my job. So I came back again my junior year. Uh, so we, preseason, playing and all that stuff, and all of a sudden uh, it's time for us to start playing our game. Rod Higgins went to Coach Grant. He said, hey, Coach, uh, you keep messing with T-Bone. T-Bone care, but he don't care. Only thing he really care about now is graduating. So we need him. <laughs> so you need to just leave him alone. Just let him do his thing. Coach left me alone. He let me play. He let me start. I never sat on the bench again. <laughs> Why do you think he didn't play you the first two years? Well, it was my fault, really. Because coming from my high school, I was a dominant player that could score anytime I wanted to and play defense. My problem was, and this was my problem, it wasn't a coach's problem. Uh, my problem was I didn't learn the offense. <laughs> I didn't learn the defense. <laughs> so I was an individual player playing on a team sport. So I used to come to practice every day as a coach. I'm going to kick his ass. I'm going to kick his ass. Ain't nothing they could do. But I was an individual player. So all of a sudden, my junior year, I finally learned the plays. I learned the plays and I learned the defense. I said, this is it? <laughs> this is easy. <laughs> and from there, if you can check the records, 
uh, my junior year, we went 27 and three, the best record in the school history today. <laughs> uh, we lost to Long Beach State, we lost to Southwest Louisiana, and we lost to Georgetown. We should have been 28 and, no, we should have been 29 and one. The only team that really beat us that year was Patrick Ewing and Georgetown. I was going to ask who was on the Georgetown yeah. oh, team. Patrick Ewing, Sleepy Floor. No, we couldn't mess with the beast from the East. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, them, you know, we did very well, you know, and I was becoming a popular player on the team. People out of, they started to like me and all that good stuff. So come back my senior year. So we plan and they implement the 30-second clock. Now, remember, before the 30-second, we passed the ball. We might hold the ball for maybe two, three minutes yeah. before we even did anything. So now we got to play the 30-second clock. Coach didn't think we could do it. We had natural talent that we could do it, but Coach didn't believe it. So he wanted to hold the ball for a long time, and then the last seven, eight seconds try to get a shot. That wasn't working. We were doing this here, up and down, up and down, up and down. So finally he said, y'all just play and take the first good shot. Man, we went on a roll. We went on a roll, and I remember uh, we couldn't win the conference, so we went, we went to the conference tournament, and we beat everybody really bad. So we ran up against UNLV. We playing UNLV, we beating them by 20, 25 points at halftime with Tark and uh, Sidney Green and all these guys, Danny Tarkin. We beating them. Second half, we went away from our game plan. We went away from our game plan, and, you know, guys started doing things that we wasn't supposed to do, and we lost the game. We, won, we lost the game in overtime. This kid, Eric Booker, the transfer from San Francisco to UNLV, he came down in overtime and shot a shot between half court and the three-point line, and it went in, and they won 66-63. So I was upset. I was upset because I wasn't upset that they won the game. I was upset how we lost the game because we went away from our game plan. So then we had to go to the NIT. Of course, I didn't. I told you I didn't want to play in the NIT, you know, because that was spring vacation, and I hadn't seen my mom all year. And with that being said, and I can tell people, you can go back and look at the first game we played at Southern Arena in NIT. We played against Texas El Paso, and we were playing like crap in the first half. And the coach came in at halftime. He said, "I don't know what's wrong with y'all, but you know, y'all playing like crap, and y'all need to get together." I said, "Coach, I can tell you exactly what's going on." He said, what's going on, T-Bone? I said, Coach, I don't want to win. I don't want to play in this. I want to go to Chicago and see my mom. I ain't seen her all year. And that's when he told me, he said, if you just play hard and after this is over, I'll get you an extra week. I said, okay, we'll win this. <laughs> this is easy. So we went on to play. We played. We left there and we went to Michigan State. <laughs> we beat Michigan State by, I want to say, close to 20 at Michigan State. And they had uh, Kevin Willis. Sam, Sam Vincent, Scott Scow, they had like three first rounders that year. Uh, so we beat them, we left them, we went to Oregon State, we beat on AC Green and Charlie Sidney and all these guys. So we won up there, we went to New York, and we, came, we flew back to Fresno. And me and Coach, we was good at the time, but we wasn't good. I wanted to stay away. I just wanted to win and uh, get it over and go home. So he came and said, he never asked me to go, even though I was a captain, I never went to any of the important things. He would always take like Bernard Thompson or Ron Anderson, even though he was underclassman. I thought I should have gone, but he never asked, okay. But this particular time, he wanted to take me to New York 
to do the press conference with him. I said, no, coach, I don't want to go. <laughs> Just like that. I said, don't make sense for me to go. I said, you're going to be there for three days. I don't know nobody in New York. I said, now, Desi Barmore, he's from New York. Let him go, and that way he can visit his family. His family can visit you. Then we'll come later on. He said, okay, that made sense. So they took off. Three days later, we come. Now, here's a funny story. When we get there, you know, everybody got their room. You know, we double up in the room. Oh, we get there, and Desi was there already, so me and Desi's roommates. So I get there. So, oh, what's up, Big Dad? Where the room at? He takes me to the room. It's a suite, a beautiful suite. One bed. <laughs> I said, oh, this ain't going to work. <laughs> this ain't going to work. So we see Coach Adams. So Coach Adams, uh, you know, me and Dad's got a problem. What's the problem? Well, we got our room, but it's only got one bed. He came and looked at it. It's always nice. I'll switch with you. Because he had his wife, him and his wife, and, you know, man, Coach Adam's room was big as this whole room right here. And he had a, like a double suite. <laughs> and he had like four beds. I was at home. We had a party up in there for <laughs> the whole time. Desi, whole family was there every night. So we go on, we play uh, Wake Forest the first night. We kill them by, and, and two of their players. Uh, Delaney Rudd and Anthony Tichy, uh, they went first round, three of them. We beat them, Wake Forest. Then, so you're in, the, you're in New York for the semis and the finals, right? Yes, okay. yes. And now we're in a championship game. Well, before we get there, okay, okay. I, I got a little video here I found okay. of, a, of a young T-Bone. Oh. <laughs> and uh, I want to play this real quick. It was you, you with a reporter. So. Okay. And a win against DePaul would provide the answer. The uh, newspaper articles have been calling you a Fresno who. What do you think about that? Oh, this is this is a crazy thing right here. Fresno bid for recognition in the NIT. They crazy. We're going <laughs> to win it. Believe me. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't wait to get back to Fresno. And we're going to celebrate after we win it. You a uh, little prediction there. Well, I always try to keep my promises. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, like I said, after losing the UNLV, uh, and actually I thought we had made it, we would have made a good run in the NCAAs that year because once Coach told us to play, we had Ron Anderson. That guy didn't miss anything. But now Thompson, even though he was only six foot seven, he killed all the centers. Desi Barmore, he was just our big power man, Mitch Arnold. You know, that was my backbone. I would do stupid stuff and run behind him. So uh, we had a good team, and we were in the O'Mel coming off the bench. We had a good solid team. I just felt uh, the NIT was kind of beneath us, and, and I wanted to play it that way too, and I didn't want to give nobody no inkling that they could even possibly win. And then we had a chance to play against DePaul, and the, and the problem with, you know, though the good thing about that was I knew those guys from Chicago, and I knew Coach Ray Meyer, you know, and – like I said, one of the reasons I didn't go to DePaul, well, DePaul was, you know, I thought they kind of played me second fiddle. And what I mean by that, during that time, the best point guards in the nation was Isaiah Thomas, John Paxton, Raymond McCoy. And then I was like six or seven, something like that. But they wanted Isaiah and they wanted Raymond first. Then they came after me. And I said, that ain't going to work. <laughs> so I said, the best thing what you should have done during that time, Coach, was Put me, Raymond, Isaiah, uh, Daryl, uh, Terry Cummins, Teddy Grubb, came and got all of us in a van, took us to dinner and tell us what your goal was. 
And we all probably would have said, except maybe Isaiah, because Isaiah's mom dictated where she, he was going. So, so, but all of us probably would have went there. Terry committed. Uh, uh, Teddy committed. Uh, Bernard committed. Um, Daryl decided he was going to Arkansas. And actually, I was confused. But then after meeting Coach Thrash, I said, I'm going to California. You know, you know, get away from Chicago because during that time the game was starting to get big. So I was thinking they got to come across the Colorado mountains, mountains to get me. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, but I want to tell y'all the story uh, about you know I keep telling people they don't really know San Jose State and Fresno State. They were big rivals. They still are, but they were really big rivals back then. This was nineteen. Hmm. 1980, 1980, 1980, 81. So we were recruiting this kid named Charles Pittman. Charles Pittman went, he played at Merced Junior College. And then he went on to play at the University of Maryland. So anyway, we were recruiting them, but this particular day before the season, we scrimmaged Fresno City College and we scrimmaged Merced College. So uh, after the scrimmage was over, Bill Berry was the coach at San Jose State. He came to pick up Charles Pittman. He came to pick him up in the Rolls Royce. He came to pick him up and recruit him to uh, San Jose State. Uh, and he asked Charles, how'd your day go? He said, well, good. He said, what you do? He said, well, we scrimmage against Fresno State and Fresno City College. He said, what? Yeah, we scrimmage against them. And um, we, uh, you guys weren't supposed to do that. So what Bill Berry did, he went and he turned that into the NCAAs. So with that being said, the NCAAs, they put us on probation. We couldn't play our last two games. Now, at Fresno State, I got three rings. I was supposed to get four. That was my freshman year, I was supposed to get four. So the NCAAs, they took our last two games away. We was tied for the, the league top, number one with Utah State and San Jose State. Since we couldn't play those last two games, they knocked us out. They wouldn't go to no, 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 no post tournaments or nothing. So we couldn't do nothing, even, not even go to the NIT. So we had to sit out. So Fresno State, they get mad at San Jose State behind that, right? Now here's the story I'm gonna tell y'all. Anywhere you go in Fresno, anywhere you go into Fresno, you got Shaw Avenue, right? Then on the other side of Shaw, the big street is Barstow. Okay, Shaw and Barstow, right by Fresno State, it's, it's Shaw, it used to be San Jose and Barstow. Yeah, San Jose Avenue. Now yeah. it's Shaw Bulldog Lane. <laughs> they changed yeah. the name on the street because they got <laughs> mad. <laughs> they got mad. So now you look, you see all those footprints of the ball, ball leading up to Bulldog Lane, not San Jose. Now you can go anywhere else. If you go down to First and Shaw, it's going to be Shaw, San Jose. Yes, yes, yeah. If you go anywhere, it's Shaw, San Jose. But over there, they changed it. Now, I'm glad they did it. You know, even Fresno State Bulldog, but that's why they did it. <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> I'll tell you the truth about things, man. <laughs> oh, it was just fun times. Yeah. Oh, and like I said, a lot of people thought we lived half the hog. No, we didn't. We were just good kids. I mean, that whole era. You didn't hear about nobody getting in no trouble. Uh, and and you know, like, like this morning, I went to the gym. Now, today was the first time I went to the gym probably in three years. 
<laughs> I just went to shower and steam and sun and all that. I do the executive workout. <laughs> so anyway, I go in there, these old men, we know you. So we start talking. We talked for 30 minutes. And I said, man, what y'all talking about is how y'all know me. That's, that's what life is about. And I said, evidently I wasn't a bad person and we can have conversations like this. That's why it's good for me to talk to people about that stuff. And it makes their day too. So I'm like, and I've had my gym, my, my, my gym for 30 years. I just don't go. <laughs> so, but it's a good time. It's meeting people. Um, I love that. Uh, I love that in the NIT there, you were, you were just so confident, you know, telling, telling the reporter, we go, we're going to win it. And the, meanwhile, the other perspective was the newspapers said, Fresno, who? Yeah. Like they, they didn't believe in you at all. Well, well, well you know, Maybe some of the media knew what Fresno, but the rest of the country didn't know what Fresno. Hey, my friend Chicago used to call it Fresno. Yeah. Uh, and, and, the, and the first time I heard of it, my friend called it Fresno. He went to Syracuse Junior College out there by the airplanes going 58 way out there in the, in the Mojave Desert. So when, when he, he said he was being recruited by Fresno State, it Fresno. <laughs> it just stuck in my head. But then I found out it was pronounced Fresno. So, but Fresno's been good to me, you know. Uh, Basketball-wise, you know, I've, I've accomplished just about everything I wanted to, you know. I didn't get drafted. Uh, the Lakers wanted me to come to their camp during that time, but one thing about me, I'm a realist. I wasn't going to take Norm Nixon's spot. I wasn't going to take Magic's spot. I wasn't going to take, uh, who else was that? take Byron Scott. So the thing for me was to do is I needed another semester to graduate. So I just stayed in school and graduated and you know, started my life in Fresno. And I got the best life and the best job and I live around the best people in Fresno, man. I'm, I'm, I'm wonderfully blessed. <laughs> now, you know, you came from Mississippi mm-hmm. and, and Chicago. Were you ever, was the plan ever to go back to Chicago or were you kind of just well, staying here? Well, 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 wherever I finished college, that's where I was gonna stay. Okay. You know, like I say, if, if I would have left, uh, Fresno and went back to wherever. That's where I was going to stay. Uh, and but but you know I really did love Fresno. And you know the good thing about it, you know I I I had a lot of friends in Chicago. So I always brag about Fresno when I went back there. I said, man, it's a beautiful city. Y'all need to think about moving out there. There's about fifty of us <laughs> out here now. <laughs> and, and and one he probably worked with the church here, uh, Brian King. Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Bam's dad. Bam's dad. Yeah, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. I brought all those kids out here, you know. Because when I came here, you know, I had my basketball family, Rod Higgins and and, and Bobby Anderson, all those guys. But that wasn't my neighborhood friends I grew up with. Uh, and our neighborhood, man. I'm gonna tell you another quick story. Talking about the neighborhood. You guys ever heard of this guy named Chris Hinton? I have not. I'm gonna explain to you is. Uh, Back in 19, I want to say it might have been 83 or 4, 84. I don't know when they got drafted, but he came out the same year as John Elway. Now, John Elway was going to be, he was the number one pick that year. But John Elway's dad told the Baltimore coach. Yeah, he no, didn't want to, he's not playing. He's not going to play there. So he was going to sit out and go play baseball with the Yankees. My buddy, Chris Hinton, that played on my high school basketball team, he wasn't no basketball player, but he was big. That <laughs> We just needed a big, burly guy. He was on our team. He went to Northwestern University. So Denver was going to draft him number two. 
Elway was going to Baltimore number two, mm-hmm. but then I don't know. They switched the they pick traded, or something yeah. like that. I don't know if he's number one or number two yeah. or something like that, but he wasn't at the Elway trade. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but like I said, I got stories to tell y'all. <laughs> okay, so I think a lot of people, probably a lot of people don't remember, but if you watch the Last Dance documentary, yes, Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan used to come to Fresno a lot, and that's because of you and your teammates would host a camp. Picked up a bad habit, <laughs> smoke a cigar. <laughs> Talk about that. Talk about how you had the camp, you three we, coming together okay. to hold the camp here in Fresno. How we got it started. Uh, uh, let me see. Bobby Anderson and I, we used to do a basketball camp for this guy named Bill Parks over at uh, Bullard High School. It was a summer program. So we did it with a lot of young kids. This was going way back. Um, so we knew, knew how to do the camp. So the next year, we was telling Rod we was going to do a camp, but Rod said they were going to do a camp at this particular time. But now Thompson was in the NBA as well as Ron Anderson and Rod Higgins. They all had the same agent named Reggie Turner. So they decided to do a camp called Sports Hero Camp, and they did it up at Sierra High School. Uh, so they did the camp. Uh, but for some reason, and they, and they bought Michael out. I had to go pick up Michael during this time. I was driving a 1979, no, 1973 Honda Civic. I would go pick up Michael in the airport. <laughs> His knee would be all up in the windshield. <laughs> and during this time, you know, I had to take him up to Sierra High School to, to because he was staying at the Piccadilly here, but I would drive him up there to be with the kids and all that good stuff. And, and, the, and the funny story is when I picked him up, I, I had bad tires on my car. <laughs> My tires were down to the steel belts, and I'm taking Michael up to Sierra. Just think about a roll off one of them curves, or I got a flat tire. Boy, the world would have never forgave me. <laughs> <laughs> so they, so they did that up there for two years, and it, and it just wasn't working because they couldn't get no kids. I don't know why. So Bobby Ross, he wasn't doing it no more. So Bobby and I said, you know what? And Bobby was living off of Shaw and Armstrong at the time. There was no homes out there, and he was one of the first houses to build. So he was putting the pool in. So me and I was sitting in the bottom of this hole they had dug, and we had a cooler full of beers, and we just sitting there looking up at the stars. That's all we could see, drinking beers. I said, man, we're going to put this cap together. So we called Rod. So Rod, we put in our key. He said, well, I'm in. He said, Mike want to know, can he come? What? <laughs> <laughs> I said, yeah. So that's how it all got started. And we took off, and we talked to at that time, we talked to Steve Cleveland over at uh, Clovis West. Clovis West. So Steve said he was in, so we started. Now, this when Mike was just getting ready to start blowing up, and and the kids that went to that camp, they don't know what they were really treated to. If you look at the camp and we got footage of it, Michael had this. He was talking about man, I got this thing I want the kids to see because I'm bringing it out and no one have seen it before. The kids at the camp gonna be the first one to see it. And it's this thing where he was promoting this new Air Jordans where it was this airplane taking off. It was taking off, but it was really Michael taking off and running and jumping. Uh, and it was like a, maybe three minutes. And we set it down and uh, the kids from, from over there, from Clovis West or that camp, they're the first people that ever saw that. That is crazy. So we, we did that then and I think we might have had um, – 200 kids at that camp at Clovis West. We stayed there for like 
three or four years. Then we moved to Bullard. I think we had 600 kids <laughs> over at that camp. Uh, and then we moved to Buchanan. And we was going to continue doing it, but I went through a bit of divorce at that time. And then it just wasn't working out because things just wasn't working out. So uh, I had to stop doing the camp and I had to work for the camp, put it that way. <laughs> so uh, that was dealing with the courts and my ex-wife and all that good stuff. So that would kind of counsel it. And, but right now, we were just talking last month about possibly bringing a final dance here to Fresno, the last camp. But you know, we're breaking news right now. Well, we 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 we, we was talking about it, yeah. and on the ninth of next month, I'm going to Las Vegas uh, for the summer league. Uh, and I know Bobby Rod and myself, we gonna talk about it. I'm hoping Mike show up with his Hornets team, and we could talk about it. But how I got started smoking these cigars, <laughs> you know, Mike never had won that championship in L.A. And after they won the championship in L.A., he came to Fresno at the camp. He's like, okay, man, I come here every year for y'all. You know, uh, y'all can't smoke a cigar with me? <laughs> so he put the pressure on us. And ever since then. Peer pressure. Yeah, Peer ever pressure. since then I've been smoking cigars. That's awesome. <laughs> hey, here's one more crazy story about that situation, you know. Talking about Michael coming here. You know, Mike was always protected by security and everybody, even against us. So... I remember we was, it was a club. They was at a club, but I was at home uh, here in Fresno in the Tower District. I forgot the name of that club. But anyway, they called me. They was going back to the hotel, and the hotel room, well, the hotel was at the Ramada Inn right there on Shaw back then. So I go over there to meet them. It's like 1 o'clock in the morning just to meet them. I'll see them the next day just checking in with them. So they get out the car. Michael, his whole entourage of security, and Bobby and Rod. So Michael, T-Bone, T-Bone. Come over, give me a hug and everything. We talking, and he say, hey, man, take this uh, McDonald's trash and throw it away from me. Said, man, I ain't throwing it, that ain't my trash, that's yours. You need to throw that away, just like that. And he said, hold on, man. I come out here every year for you, and you can't throw this away? And Bobby and Rod looked at me. I just, okay. No, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, but that's a good time. You know, dealing with that guy, Mike, we play cards, or just, you know, putting in the room, or, you know, we couldn't golf with him because we wasn't that good. I'm still not that good, you know. He's, he's too competitive for all that good stuff. How, so. how long has it been since you've seen Mike? I would say about four years. Okay. And the last time I saw him, Rod was working with, with him. Uh, we was back in Charlotte. Uh, we was back in Charlotte, and uh, oh, we was that they had just they was getting ready to draft somebody. So they was then working them out. So they was down there, and then Mike came up, and you know we talking and all that good stuff. And um, that's the last time I saw him. You, huh. can, you can still see him today and talk like just like like, like we times. talking now. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, matter of fact, Rob was just saying Mike was asking about me and uh, me and me, so me, me, me and Bob, and actually. I'm gonna tell you one more quick story, right? I got stories for you. Then. That's what we're here we, for. hey, we in Vegas. We in Vegas. Uh, after the camps and everything, we would go on because Mike put on this what you call this fantasy basketball camp, and we at this fantasy basketball, you got like uh, Damon Wings, all CEOs of big companies around. The camp is fifteen thousand dollars a person. <laughs> so 
we sitting there, we went there, and Mike, he hanging with us. You know, cause Mike, he ain't hanging with them, he hanging with us. But he, and all the coaches, they Nike representative. They all got to be there for Michael's camp. So John Thompson, all of them there, they was there, so all this good stuff, so I'm looking. Uh, so we sitting at the table, Mike said, okay, everybody in the camp, he got about, honestly, he got about 200 people there. And they all sitting around, he said, well, everybody get two autographed things, and he give them all this stuff. So we sitting at this table from this CEO of some big company in Japan. And he's sitting in with uh, uh, Damon Wayne's and one of the mother brothers, they sitting there. So the guy from Japan said, hey man, I see y'all really close with Michael. Uh, 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 can you talk to him about coming doing a camp in Japan? Uh, we'll pay you 500,000. Hey, I would love to do that. <laughs> But I can't tell Michael nothing. <laughs> I said, Mike don't do nothing. I say he do whatever he want to do. So we there. So late on that evening, uh, Rod come. He say, man, come on, Mike want to go out. We go out. Uh, well, we don't go out. They go gambling. <laughs> so we, me and Bob sitting there, they got this roped off area. Him and Barkley, what's the guy's name? Quinn Buckner. Quinn Buckner, uh, they back to they gambling and everything. So now it's late. It's like, I don't know. It was about one o'clock in the morning. And Mike tell the waiter, you know, like they, they're sitting back here. No, they, they sitting like where you're sitting and they got it roped off all the way down there. And me and Bob just sitting on the, on the stairs like they're still looking. So Mike tell the owner, tell the waiter, he say, hey, you see, you see them two fat boys over there? <laughs> You see the two fat boys. You just keep sandwiches and Heinegans coming. <laughs> so we sat there at about, I want to say about three o'clock. Mike won his money back. Why he won all his money back? Rod said, hey, we can go home. Let's go. Boy, we ran. <laughs> we ran back to the hotel room. Oh, but good times. And, you know, like, like I said, when I'm back in Charlotte, people don't know Mike is a record labor owner. He owned this record label called Hidden Beach. I don't know if he still owned it, but uh, uh, he used to own it. And one of his artists, that name was Jill Scott. So Mike's having this party. At the, we go to the All-Star game. He's having this party. And, man, it's who's who. It's who's who. And it's like, y'all seen that movie, uh, New Jack City? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, uh, and they, it's like that. Uh, and I'm like, wow, there's no way in the world I was supposed to be. <laughs> but, you know, he's a good guy. He, Mike's a good guy. If, if I needed something today, he'll be there. But, you know, friends are friends. Friends is not something that you need something from. It's just friends. So it's a good time. <laughs> That's awesome. So I got to go back. You talked about you had Nick Irvin when he was a baby. Yes. So – are you the reason why we have the connection for Fres from Chicago of why kids come from Chicago to play at Fresno State? Well, let, 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 me, let me go back on that. The connection was, remember my coach, Coach Thrash? Yeah. He started the original Chicago connection when Bobby Anderson, Rod Higgins, Art Williams, myself. Then he went back and got Charlie Smith, uh, Marvin Carter. Uh, that's how the Chicago connection came. Now, Nick was a baby. Yeah. But Nick's dad was a B 
big time man in Chicago for well, basketball. You have the, the one they run the one of the best AAU teams uh, programs in the country. Yeah, yeah, one of the best Mac AAU Urban programs Fire. in the yeah. country. And then you got Mean Streets back there. They all connected. Uh, and then they got this other guy, uh, even though he he's out of Ohio, and that was he was LeBron's agent, Wild West. Uh, all these guys connected. So Nick them they Nick knew me from his dad, and I knew all his brothers. His brother was little kids too, so uh, they all heard of Fresno from me, uh, because all the guys I named. There was not one of them highly recruited like I was, but they all heard about Fresno from me. Now they got the accolades because they was really good. Rod was good. Ron Anderson was good. You know, uh, they got it out here. That's how they went on to the pros and all that good stuff. But far as in Chicago and Fresno State, it was Tyrone Bradley, but not anymore. <laughs> Tyrone Bradley is an old fat guy. <laughs> Oh, but Nick, you know, I say Nick has to carry Nick in his basket. His mom was, she was super nice. They used to treat me like I was one of their sons. You know, it hurt me when I found out that both of them had passed away. As a matter of fact, speaking of Nick, uh, just Saturday night, I was sitting in my backyard and I get this phone call from my little cousin. Now, he's an assistant coach. He used to be assistant coach at Loyola when they went to the Final Four. Now he's assistant coach at uh, Southern Illinois University. So they was Some doing Lukies. Yes, they was doing something. And I get this this uh what you call it? What you call it? FaceTime. Okay. It's my little cousin. So I'm talking to him and I'm like, okay, man. He said, man, I got somebody want to talk to him. It was Nick Irvin. Hmm. So Nick was on the phone. So me and Nick talking. I said, Nick, man, I see you at Western Illinois now. He said, Yeah. I said, Nick, before we even get started in the conversation, I need a favor. He said, What is it? I said, Nick, man. All my people I know, when I know they're coaching, I always have them send me a 3X, a 3X sweatsuit so I can wear it and represent you. He said, and it should be here today. That's awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. It, it should be here today. So it's funny you mentioned Nick. <laughs> and his brother Byron is a coach at Chicago State. Mm -hmm. And then, like, you know, I didn't know Dominic Young and all those guys, you know, because honestly, I kind of left Fresno State. Uh, I don't go around. Uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's like, I don't know why or what, uh, but, you know, we offered, but they didn't accept, which was fine, and we didn't need Fresno State. I didn't need them. They didn't need me, so we kind of parted ways. So that's why you don't really see me do anything with Fresno. I tried to do one thing with Fresno uh, one time, and that's when Tark came. When Tark first came, I told Tark, I said, hey, coach, I met him at the hotel right across the street from Southern Arena. And I said, hey, Coach, uh, I'm glad to see you coming to Fresno. He said, yeah, I'm glad. And I said, I really want to be one of your assistants, just like that. He said, oh, that's good, but we couldn't pay you. Well, you won't see me again. <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. So, But I know a lot of times they call and, you know, uh, we just kind of parted ways, yeah. put it that way. <laughs> did, Tark, did Tark remember you from having to coach, oh. coach against you? Oh, no, no, no. Tark remember me. You know, it's funny talking about that, talking about the Nick, Nick Irving again. He came out here, and he was playing at Fresno State, right? Mac, his dad, was mad at Tark, Aaron, because they were really good friends and that Adidas stuff or whatever they were doing with Sonny Vaccaro. I think that's how Nick got here and all that good stuff. So he was mad because they weren't playing Nick. And Nick was just sitting on the bench. 
So Matt came out here, he said, I don't want to see nobody but Tyrone. And that's the first time and only time I've been to Tark's office or went back to Fresno State basketball because Tark called me over because Mac wanted to see me. Hmm. And then I told Mac the story. I said, no, they won't see me. What happened happened is all good, but I truly hope they do well and, you know, they won't see me. The only time they see me is on the alumni stuff. Uh, and then I, I haven't been to the last couple of one, but then they kind of stopped it. <laughs> so, and I'm too old to try to put them uniforms on. <laughs> so, <laughs> No, but it's, you know, I, I, Fresno State's been very good to me. It's been a good place, but I just don't go around anymore. Real quick, how'd you get uh, helping with Roosevelt? Uh, I wasn't. Co- Let me see. I used to coach basketball at uh, Alter Sierra, my school. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some things I didn't particularly like, so I said, you know, I'll just leave it alone. Then I had a friend uh, named Jason Brandis. He decided he started he started coaching over at Fresno High. Mm-hmm. We went over there, so we left there. So I and I don't, I really don't want to coach. <laughs> so, so then I had another friend. Her name was named uh, Katie Kaufman. Yeah, uh, Katie. She coached at Clovis Week East. And mm-hmm. She won. Uh, I want to say the Valley Championship that year and all that. So she almost won it. So then they got rid of her. So Katie decided to coach at Bullard. But I, I knew Katie's dad. I knew Katie when she was two years old. So I, I knew Katie's dad, Dennis. We worked at Budweiser together. And I, she was coming back into coaching, and I saw Dennis, and Dennis said, T-Bone, come on. I said, hey, Dennis, don't worry about it. I got her. I'm going to coach with her. So I coached with her for two years and left it alone. So one day I'm at school. My buddy Brian King called. Uh, he said, hey, uh, Roosevelt. Uh, they really need a coach, and you, would you like to coach that? Is uh, that way we can hang out? <laughs> so me and Brian King was the coach of the JV team, so I would hang out with him from three o'clock until say six o'clock or seven o'clock. When we, so that's it was friends just hanging out. That's how we did it. So we coached the boys for two years. And I said, you know what, man, I'm finished. I'm done. I don't want to coach. And then my other friend coached the girls, Jerry Taylor. So um, I said, man, you got a lot of talent. You're supposed to be winning this all the time. What's the problem? He said, man, I don't know. I ain't never won it in the 12 years I've been here. Uh, so we were sitting in my backyard. I, I, I said, well, why am I not coaching with you? He said, you ain't never asked. I said, I'm asking. <laughs> I, said, I said, but I'm only going to do it for a couple of years. I said, and when I do it, you're going to win the league. That's not a problem. I said, that? I'm looking for state. <laughs> so last year, coach with him for the first time, we won the league. This year, we won the league. We should have won the Valley, but that team, St. Joseph, really put it on us. And then we won. I can't – it is the state, but it's the southern region. Yeah. The northern California. They, they opted out. Yeah, yeah, they opted out. So it is a state. Yeah, we, we call it state championship. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You so won the a, biggest game you could win, so yes. I'm, I'm calling it state. Yes, it's the biggest game, man. You know, and the good thing about it, and, and the reason why I really wanted to go there, because those kids, they have nothing. They have nothing at all. Uh, but they was hungry. Mm-hmm. So I said, you know what, I'm going to try to help them out. And we had four seniors on the team, and the rest were sophomores, one junior coming back next year. And, and, and two signed with Cal State Dominguez. One is going to Laney College. The other one, she still hasn't made up her mind yet. So my goal is, is for all those kids just to show them 
you know, hard work. You work hard, hey, God will do wonderful things for you. So with that being said, I want to get you in a place where you can get at least two years to get 60 units. If you get 60 units, you qualify to get your foot in the door to take a government test to get a decent job to prepare yourself for the rest of your life. So that's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny because, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, I took him all over to the elbow room, the boys and girls, you know, at the end of the season. You know, they was like shocked because a lot of them had never went in no place like that. And they were shocked to see the people talking to me because uh, they don't know. <laughs> they don't know. But I'm just me. <laughs> so they just happened. So now the plan is they're going off to college and they set the example for the few kids that's coming up next year. And then the year after that, but I'm pretty sure I'll be gone by then. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you know, you set a goal there and you made it happen, winning well, the biggest game. Well, yeah, uh, but that's not the big game for them in life. Yeah. Right now, their life is one that's moving on. I said, it's not about another man. It's not about another woman. It's about you getting that education so you can do whatever you want to do and be humble. Just be humble. <laughs> Talk uh, about the, uh, you know, what was her name? Danielle Booker? Oh, she's a beast. Yeah. I saw a bunch of highlights. I, and Hey, I would tell people about, I would call coaches. Actually, Baylor called. Baylor called about her. Uh, but we didn't stay on the, long, on the line long. <laughs> <laughs> but I was just happy to get a phone call about her from Baylor. Uh, this, this young lady, she tore up her knee last year. And I have one of my doctors, best doctor in Fresno, Dr. Eric Hansen. He did a free surgery for her, oh. uh, took care of her knee. He's taking care of another kid's knee right now. You know, uh, and, and, and I mean, this girl run through the wall for you. Uh, just she, a, she put on a show this year, man. Oh, uh, she put on a show every night. The, the only thing we had to start, we started calling her Sir Reach a lot. Because <laughs> she always reached it, but you know, I don't care. But if people don't know, the first two years of high school, she played football. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, she played football. She was a she was a linebacker. Following her daddy's uh, yeah. daddy. Yeah. 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 And I, I remember they, they said one time somebody broke loose and she tracked her down and and horse collared them. So uh, I said, no, you can't play no more football. You strictly <laughs> basketball. And she got that award this year too. So I was really proud of her. And, yeah, but we got some other kids coming back next year. But even, you know, that's where I coach at, but I work at Alta Sierra. You know, it's funny, this morning I'm in the gym. It's 5.30 this morning. These kids walk past me, and they looking at me, and they smile, and they came by and say, hey, man, don't you work at? Uh, I said, man, you know who I am, just like that. He said, you T-Bone? I said, yeah. I said, I don't remember your name. He said, how long ago you went to Alta Sierra Buchanan? He said, I graduated from Buchanan. And and 2014, I said, "Oh, you still remember me?" He said, "Yeah." He said, "You used to snitch on me all the time." <laughs> <laughs> I said, "I said, boy, hold on, hold on." I said, "You remember? I told you I'm always snitch on you, and every time you came in and I'm snitching on you, uh, I would always tell you or your buddy, hey, one day you're gonna be a parent, and you're gonna have a kid when you're 35 years old or whatever." And if your son or daughter did what you did, would you want to know other parent? And they all say yes. I said, that's why I got the snitch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, they all come back, yeah. all of them. It's a good relationship. No matter how many times I put them in detention, no, give them Saturday school, Thursday, they all come back. So, How long you been over at Alta? Ooh. 
I've been in Clovis Unified now 28 years. Okay. Uh, um, and I've been at altar probably 26 of those. Wow. No, I take that back, 24 of those. Uh, and not looking forward to retirement. Everybody keep asking, even my wife asking me, <laughs> when are you going to retire? I said, for what? I said, we got a daycare in my house. I'm not dealing with them <laughs> kids. I said, at least my kids potty train. <laughs> so, no, we're good. I guess I got the best job in the world. I got the best wife in the world. I got the best life in the world. God has been good to me. So, <laughs> I love it, man. A lot of people, you know, try to get out of Fresno and leave and talk down on it, but I don't know. I've always liked Fresno, so it's good to hear somebody talking about Fresno. Man, I'm looking at our new mayor. He's doing wonderful things. He's cleaning up this city, bringing it back to where I saw it when I first came. Yeah. So it's going to take a little time, and we all got to, you know, chip in. Uh, but, you know, this is a wonderful place to live, yeah. a wonderful place to live. I agree. Uh-huh. I agree. And I just like to see people, you know, continue just taking care of each other. You know, no one put nobody down. Just everybody's equal, just having a good time. And everything else will work out. <laughs> That's good stuff, man. <laughs> man, Tyrone, we we can't thank you enough for this. This has been a, a absolute pleasure to man, hear, hear these stories. Anytime, anytime. You like I say, I'm a person in, here in Fresno. Yeah, I don't have a lot, but I got everything I need. <laughs> well, uh, I'm gonna guess that you got a whole bunch of more stories that we could do another episode someday. So you got my number. Don't hesitate. That's okay, right. <laughs> at all. Well, once again, man, thank you so much. We can't, uh, we, we just loved it. So, thank you very much, Mr. Bradley. Hey, thank you. Now, no, no, no. I got to get on you about that one. <laughs> that Mr. Stuff make me feel old. <laughs> Sorry, Tebow. 21. Sorry, okay. Sorry Tebow. 21. But hey, but it tells me how you was raised. That's a good thing. So, but that's at the kids at school. The principal will say, We want to call you Mr. Bradley. No, <laughs> I want to call me T Bone. Why? They'll tell T-Bone everything. They won't tell Mr. Bradley nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and you want to know, don't you? <laughs> no. Yeah. no. But thanks, guys, for inviting me. You need me again. You got my number. It's not a problem at all, okay? Appreciate Sounds it. good, man. We uh-huh. loved it. So, okay. uh, yeah, this is uh, the Off the Bench Podcast with uh, Tyrone Bradley. Thanks again. You've been listening to the Off the Bench Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Pod Off the Bench.